You're listening to Manx Radio, and I'm Judith Lay, welcoming you to the podcast of the Manx Sky at Night with Howard Parkin. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And there we have the familiar theme for the Manx Sky at Night here on Manx Radio. And I am delighted to welcome live and in person in the studio again, it is Howard Parkin. Fastamai, good evening, Howard. Fastamai, Judith, it's great to be back. Well, it's lovely to be able to see you face to face. Although I have to say thank you for keeping the programme going when no you weren't able to pleasure. be. In the, you were out in the garden and all oh, kinds yes, of things, weren't you? Fun. And we had some good weather, actually. I know people complained about May, but um, March, April time, we had some really good clear skies. Well, indeed we did, and unfortunately, this is not a time of the year that makes you happy. No, There's too much daylight, not, isn't there? I mean, I'm looking out the window now, it's half past nine, and it's still broad daylight practically. Um, there are no stars visible whatsoever. Um, you might be able to, if you look in the west, you might see a bright star in the sky over Peel, if you look in the western horizon. Um, that would be the planet Venus, but it's getting brighter and brighter as it comes up. But uh, um, just, it's a good time to dust off your telescope and get ready for all the other exciting things that are going to happen later in the year. Well, you always do give me a few notes about the things that do we you? might be talking about. A few notes. We've got an A4 page of, <laughs> of topics to cover, haven't we? So we'd, we'd better pitch straight in now and start off with what we can see, even though there are very short hours of darkness. What, what, what are going to be the exciting things? Well, the exciting things we can see are the bright stars, the very bright stars. I often tell people, I learnt my astronomy living in Liverpool all those years ago when I was a small boy, and you learn your constellations by finding the brightest stars. Now, when you go to a Manx dark sky location, and the whole island is pretty dark usually, and not this time of year, but if you get a good dark location, the stars, there are that many of them, you can't recognise the constellations. So when it's going dark, around 10, 11 o'clock tonight, for instance, and it's going to be a lovely clear night tonight, just look overhead, just look overhead, and you should be able to see the stars of the plough, the stars of the group of stars we call the asterism of the plough. People often wonder where it's disappeared to, it's because it's overhead. Follow the curve of the handle down and you'll come to a bright star called Arcturus. To the right of Arcturus is another bright star called Spica, and then further right again is another bright star called Regulus, the principal star in the constellation of Leo. And those three bright stars are three of the brightest stars we get to see in the Manx night sky, and you will spot them very easily in the south, roughly when it gets reasonably dark, about half past 10, 11 o'clock tonight. Go out and have a look for them, see if you can spot them. But Start off with the plough almost overhead. Follow the curve of the handle down to the star Arcturus. It is in the constellation of Boertes, the herdsman. Then to the right a bit, about 20 degrees or so to the star Spica in Virgo. And then again another 20 degrees or so right to the star Regulus in Leo. So the, there is, uh, this is the thing that it, it doesn't matter what the condition, well, apart from the fact, you know, apart from times when there's, there's low clouds, there is always something to oh, see. Always something to see. People often think astronomy is, um, you know, it doesn't change, but it changes all the time. I mean, we had Comet last year. We've got Venus rising in the evening sky, as I mentioned just earlier. 
Uh, we have meteor showers, which I talk about quite often. We've even got noctilucent clouds, which we'll come on to in just a moment's time. Um, but there's always something to look for, and there's always the unexpected. For instance, the other night, it was quite uncanny. I didn't actually look this up myself. I was actually, um, it was a beautiful evening, about two weeks ago. It would have been two weeks ago, it was the new moon. And I, I saw the moon, a lovely thin crescent new moon, and above it was a bright star, and I thought... What star's that? I just needed to know. Just me. I had to know what star it was. So I went outside to see, and it was one of the stars of the constellation of Gemini the Twins. It was Castor, actually, was the name of the star. And as I looked, there was a space station going straight over. It was magnificent. I knew it was visible in May. It's not visible now, incidentally. I won't, we won't see it now at the end of June. And it just sailed across the sky majestically, and I thought, wow, look at that. Beautiful night, bit like tonight, but obviously about two weeks ago. And I thought, I didn't expect that, even though I knew it was in the, it was around that time. And ironically, I saw that, and then someone else said to me, did you see the space station last night? It was the beautiful thin crescent moon. And you're always learning in astronomy as well. I never knew that the new moon celebrates the end of Ramadan. I never knew that until that new moon a couple of weeks ago. And it, it is great that you are so passionately interested in a subject that is still changing. I mean, the thing oh, yeah. that fascinates me is where we'll be going in, in the next That's part of the programme yeah. when we talk about space. Because it seems to me that from, from being a mystery, things in, in happening in space was, was a, re, a removed mystery. It's now becoming not a commonplace, but something that we talk about so much. Yeah, so many different things happening. It is. And what amazes me, and there's a famous story by Carl Sagan and another one by Neil deGrasse Tyson, the real eminent uh, people in astronomy. And Neil deGrasse Tyson makes a wonderful comment about we feel small because we're insignificant, tiny little humans on a planet which is small around a small star. But we have the ability to work out how things work. Not always. We have different theories about the Big Bang and all the rest. But we have the ability, humans have this ability, which we'll talk about later, we can fly helicopters on Mars for crying out loud. How is that? People have the ingenuity and the ability to do it. And it's not just the scientists. I often say, especially when I'm delivering talks on astronomy, I often say it's the engineers. The scientists come up with these fancy ideas. Let's build a... Or let's go to the moon, for instance. OK, what do you want us to build? And they build the rockets, they build the spaceships, the spacesuits, the astronauts are trained and all the rest. Human ingenuity is incredible. And um, astronomy, I think, encompasses that in, in a huge way. Well, we won't be tempted to stray under the subject of what's happening in space because we save that for a little bit, bit later in the programme. And in any case, there's something big and exciting All and massive that we've got to talk about now. So there is the, the E-word. The big E-word, the eclipse. We have a lunar eclipse. No, we don't. We have a solar eclipse. Thinking of which, I must um, have a severe go at the newsroom the other day for this head. We had a lunar eclipse the other day when the moon went in front of the sun. No, that's a solar eclipse. A lunar eclipse is when the Earth's shadow goes over the moon. So I hope the newsroom are watching. Consider yourselves told off. No, we have got a lunar eclipse two weeks ago. but Well, not two weeks ago, but a few days ago, actually, because the solar eclipse takes place on the 10th of June. And this is where the sun is passing between the Earth and the sun. It's, sorry, the, I've got it wrong now, you see. I've got my teeth all mixed up. The moon passes over the face of the sun as seen from the Earth. Now, this particular eclipse, uh, it's a bit of a shame, really. It's an, what we call an annular eclipse. It's not a full total eclipse. The moon is actually slightly further away than it is normally. 
and as a result, you get a ring of light or an annulus of light around the sun if you're in the path of totality. I always think it's a great shame because the, the glory of totality is, is unbelievable. I've mentioned this before and uh, I'm not mentioned again. But this uh, annular eclipse is visible over Canada and Greenland and indeed over parts of Russia. But we will see about a 25 to 27 percent eclipse from the Isle of Man. It starts in the early, well, particularly early in the morning. It starts at just after 10 o'clock on the 10th of June. Uh, the maximum obscuration of the solar disk is on about um, 11, 12 minutes past 11. And the whole thing finishes about 25 past 12. Now, word of warning. Unless you have got eclipse glasses, or unless you know someone who's an astronomer who can show you how to project the image of the sun, do not, under any circumstances, look directly at the sun with a naked eye. You could cause severe problems for your eyes indeed blind yourself one thing us astronomers are always very worried about encouraging people to look at eclipses if it's cloudy even then you should never stare at the sun because obviously it could cause problems for you you need to have a solar projection or better still a lot of people got these solar eclipse glasses when we had the last eclipse in 2017 which we could see from the island dig them out make sure they're okay make sure there's no holes and make sure they're not damaged and use them and have a look for yourselves on the 10th of june if it's clear um it'll be a great opportunity to see the the fascination of this idea of the the moon passing between the earth and the sun which going back in ancient history there are so i could give you a whole program on eclipses some of the stories about eclipses and how they predicted them and things that went wrong and how they didn't predict them correctly and it was only um way back when edmund halley who discovered the comet of course he was the first guy to formally totally say where an eclipse would happen and when we have a cycle of eclipses called the Saros cycle, which we've known about for centuries. But that is just a ability to predict when there will be an eclipse, not where it will be seen from. It was Edmund Halley who actually um, proved the time and place and everything else. And now, of course, we know with a great degree of precision exactly when, where and what we're going to see. And you know, Judith, we have an eclipse of the sun every year now, right through till 2029, with the exception of 2024. 2024 we haven't got one but in 2023 it's going to be about 95 percent eclipsed so that'll be a real biggie so good chance to find your eclipse glasses and if you can't find some you've just about got time to get some i'm actually doing uh, for manx national heritage we did an eclipse breakfast down at the sound in 2015 for an eclipse we had um in 2015 and i'm doing an eclipse breakfast for mnh uh, at the sound um, I know tickets are available from MNH if anyone's interested. I've got a solar, solar telescope, um, which I'm going to be using. And obviously, our, we've got eclipse glasses for people as well. So, But please, don't look at the sun directly. Be, be one, Especially don't get children looking at the sun. Um, much better to watch it on TV. Or if you've got the filters, the glasses, whatever, um, it's okay. But please, just be very careful. Questions, Howard. First of all, these uh, eclipse glasses, are they relatively inexpensive? Can you oh, get about a pound a pair? I mean, you can pick them up in bulk for about a pound a pair. But the trouble is now you might be struggling to get them um, between now and uh, the 10th of June. But don't yeah. despair. It would be worth getting some, especially if you've got a family, because that one in 2023, I know it's two years off. But that one will be quite spectacular. Yes. So we've got plenty of time to practice. We've also got one in October 22, uh, another eclipse, which is very similar to this one, actually. Um, that's at sunset, I think, from uh, looking at the notes. 
Um, but the one in 2023 will be, um, I think, August the 12th as well. So it's again, it does depend on the weather. I mean, when we did the one in 2015, I tell you a lovely story about this one because in 2015, I did this um, eclipse breakfast down the sound for them and um, it was cloudy. We did not see a thing until we came out of the restaurant at the end, just as the eclipse was finishing and we could just see through the clouds the moon was disappearing off the solar disk. I got back home, I said to Sandra, who was in Onken, she said, did you see it then? We had a wonderful view here in Onken. We didn't see it in the sound. <laughs> and I believe Onken and indeed Ramsey all saw it quite well. Uh, but the south of the island, I'm afraid we didn't that see is it the, at all. That, and that's the beauty of astronomy. It's all weather dependent, I'm afraid. Yes, yeah, and, and, and position dependent. But if we are going to get eclipses more frequently, then spending a couple of pounds, literally exactly. a couple of pounds, on eclipse glasses would be a good investment. A good investment, and you can pick Just, them up. I mean, if you go across to uh, England uh, any time and you go across to the National um, uh, Maritime Museum down in uh, Greenwich, or Jodrell Bank, or the National Space Centre. The, the space shops will sell them. Uh, you can pick them up easily. And as I say, they're about a pound a pair. I have got a limited number, which I'll be taking with me, obviously, for the um, for the sound event. Although I understand that Manx National Heritage will be providing a pair to everybody who attends that breakfast. But um, just be careful. It's a fantastic thing to see. It'll be all over the news on the 10th of June. Um, but... Um, it's it's worth looking for, and um, I look forward to hopefully some clear skies to yeah. to enjoy it with. But but it does come with that warning. Very much so. Do much not so. look yeah. directly. Do not it. look under any circumstances directly at the sun. I mean, we all glance up and see the sun is there. Fine, that's okay. But that's about it. Do not look at it to see if it's eclipsed or yep. anything else with it. But we also say if we do accidentally, and I have done this, if you accidentally look directly at the sun, I mean, just in the course of you know, you just turn your head quickly mm. and look at the sun, and you say. Oh gosh, that sun's blinding, and the, and it is, it and you is you get exactly you often it often makes you spoiled, it disturbs your, your vision yeah. at that time just it while is. your eyes readjust, the, the and that's re- just in the normal course that's of it. every now, day. What really worries us is people think about you can get filters and stick them on telescopes. No, don't do that. There are special filters you need to get. Some people have this crazy idea of putting a filter at the wrong end, and you get all the heat, not just the light from the sun, but the heat from the sun. Don't project that. Don't look at, through the sun directly with any form of optical aid. That is an absolutely no-no under no circumstances. And Use professionals other, to do it for you. The other thing that we learned mm. as youngsters was a, a, like a scientific experiment, how you can start a fire reflecting the rays oh, of yeah, the sun. Oh, yeah, using a magnifying you know, glass, that, yeah. That's the, your, your girl guiding, boy scouting uh, trick, isn't it? Yeah. And that tells you, to be able to do that with a exactly. magnifying what glass and the sun's rays. Exactly. Shows you. One great thing to do, one great thing you can do, and maybe the school teachers may have this in hand, I don't know, is you can make what we call a pinhole camera oh, and yes. what you do get a shoe box yeah put a hole in one end of the box so the whole box is in the shade and you'll get a little tiny disc of the sun on the opposite end of the box which will show the eclipse that's great fun to do i've done that many a time with punches at school children and that's great fun to do and it does work and um, but please no looking at the sun through a telescope ever 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 and certainly don't use the naked eye patrick moore summed it up brilliantly if you look at the sun you've got two chances left eye and right eye and that's it. Bluntly speaking, that is exactly what you've got. It's a sobering thought, but it's it the is. truth and it's worth bearing in mind. It certainly is. So Manx National Heritage are the people to get in touch with if you would like yeah. to go for the breakfast. So go for the breakfast. You get a full breakfast, a talk by me in case it's cloudy, and then hopefully we'll be looking at the eclipse straight after. Right. And that's the 10th of June, Manx National Heritage. On if you what's, would, on pa- what's on pages, yeah. What's on Manx National Heritage, you'll be able to book yeah, uh, and I would imagine that'll be very popular. Limited numbers, so I people think need to maximum number of sixty, I think. So. Yeah.
So get get in there quickly. OK, right. Let's do a music break and then let us go into space. Absolutely shall we, Mr Parkin? Right. But I think we have a special song today because we've got Midsummer's Day, which we didn't mention. We might mention that later. Midsummer's Day is in June, of course. The sun is coming. We've got beautiful weather today. We're going to have beautiful weather tomorrow. So what's more appropriate than this particular record? Manx Radio Sundown, brought to you by Spectrum Windows. For the latest door security, keep your mind at peace with Ultrium's revolutionary locking system. Here comes the sun, here comes the sun, I say it's alright. Great choice. The Beatles, Here Comes the Sun, back to 1969 for that one. Here Comes the Sun, and it is coming back again tomorrow. The forecast is excellent for our bank holiday Monday. And the forecast in the studio isn't bad here. It's bright and breezy here in the studio as we welcome back Howard Parkin for part two of this month's edition of The Manx Sky at Night. Howard, this time we're going into space now. There's always so much to talk about. I can't keep up with it, Judith. There's so much going on every month. Um, I could tell you a true story. I do these lectures for cruise ships, as you know, and they keep asking me to update them. And I can't keep pace with it because as fast as I do an update to a lecture, I've got to change it again. I've just changed one particular lecture um, because of activities on Mars in the last few days uh, or weeks. And then they go and do something else. They nearly crashed the helicopter the other day. 
Um, they've got this little tiny robotic helicopter that the NASA have got called Ingenuity, which sums up what I was saying earlier about yeah. the ingenuity of the engineers and the scientists to do it. So this little tiny uh, helicopter that they're flying around Mars, I say around Mars, it's only doing about a two-minute flight each time. It had its sixth flight last Thursday, and they lost control of it and nearly crashed it. Fortunately, they managed to recover it and get it to land safely. So now they're poring over the data to see what caused the glitch to the communications. Um, because you've only got one helicopter on Mars and it would be terrible to be the person who crashed it, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, there really isn't a, a dignified way back from no, that. No, there's not. Presumably it's taking images. Yeah. And that's what it was. it's going. But it's actually a technology prover. They wanted to see if they could fly it because the atmospheric pressure on Mars is so thin. It's got these big rotors going one's going counterclockwise to the other one. And um, they've managed to get it to fly, and now they've proved it. The idea is you send a rover to Mars, you send a, a helicopter with it, and the helicopter scouts out where you're going to go. Well, that looks interesting, and then send the rover to it. Oh, and um, it's yes. just incredible. And, you know, this year, uh, I, I gave a talk on Mars on uh, Friday night. Um, up until last February, we've had more unsuccessful missions to Mars than successful. And as of last February, um, we've now got 40 successes and 36 failures. But, of course, not to be um, for, for, for forgotten, the Chinese landed their spacecraft on Mars only the 15th of May. They landed that, and that little rover of theirs rolled down the ramps and now is taking pictures of Mars as well. So we've actually got four, uh, three machines actually roving around Mars and a helicopter at the moment. It's a, bit, it's a bit crazy it in, in in a way. There's, there's so much activity. I mean, yeah, I did say, much to your despair, uh, which I can, can quite understand, that, you know, they're going to be up on the space station. They're not going to have, there's so many people coming and going up there. And now they're talking about space tourism. Oh, and now we've got, so. we've got spacecraft that can actually go into space and come back and be reused. Yes, indeed. Th these are all kind of Well, that's the other massive. aspect. This is the other aspect I wanted to mention, actually, about commercial spaceflight, because all of a sudden we've got NASA, who have been doing their thing for so long now. We've got SpaceX, who are now supplying the astronauts uh, for NASA to the space station. But we've now got Blue Origins, who are about to launch in July, literally in a month's time. Uh, they're going to launch their first tourist into space on a suborbital hop. You've got Virgin Galactic and Richard Branson doing his zero-gravity space flights. They did a test flight only last week. And then added to that, you've got the Artemis mission, which nobody seems to have heard about, but the Artemis mission um, is a, a mission that they're going to use. Sorry, I got that wrong. It's not Artemis. It's another name. I forgot the name of it now. Inspiration. Inspiration 4 mission, whereas somebody has literally hired SpaceX um, and four seats to go into space for um, a week. And obviously these people have got plenty of money and they can do it. And there's plans to have a, um, another space station built, orbited or attached to the International Space Station. When the International Space Station ceases to be needed or used anymore, they're going to separate away from it. You've got a, a, a private space station in orbit. There's just so much going on. And the the explosion, that's the only other word for it, the explosion of commercial spaceflight is really going to be hitting the news big style in the next few um, years. And starting with in July this year, I'm sure we'll be sat here at the end of June, probably talking about it, at the end of July talking about it, but this mission for Blue Origins on their new Shepard rocket, um, they've got this space capsule. It's got massive big windows. It's bigger than your studio window here. And there's four people pay a quarter of a million dollars each to go in it. And they have a huge, massive window to look out of. It only lasts 15 minutes, your flight, but hey, you can do it. But Well... And there are people who have got the disposable income exactly. to, to do this, exactly. who have got a quarter of a million dollars. 
Well, that's it. And of course, as things progress, as things become more and more common and the technology improves all the time, the price will come down. It's probably going to be too late for me and you, but I would imagine <laughs> youngsters today, there's the chance of having a private space flight in, I don't know, 30, 40 years' time is very high. Just like aviation was, was the embryonic industry 100 years ago, now we all fly different places. I think space may get the same in 50 to 100 years' time. Who knows? Do you think it's going to take the magic out of it? Because possibly, quite yeah. possibly. I mean, the idea, this idea. I mean, the hero worship. I, mean, I make no bones about it. The Apollo astronauts and the guys, the Mercury astronauts, all those. As a young boy growing up, they were superheroes to me. Yeah. Nowadays, um, astronauts are still revered. Don't get me wrong at all. But um, the youngsters, they don't seem to have the hero of um, people doing things. They're more interested in the um, the film stars and the. The, the mm -hmm. social media stuff, so, but who knows? It's it's, it's interesting to kind of pose the question who's mm. going to be the superheroes of the future when yeah. everything becomes a commonplace. Common, yeah. Fortunately, that's not a question that that's we need to concern us, no. ourselves with. Not for us, really, no. So, um, what about, what about, I'm longing to, uh, to ask about this, UFOs? Oh, don't you start. I could not believe Manx Radio did a programme on UFOs last Friday. Let me answer your question with a following with a quote from me. UFOs, when the space age started in 1957, all of a sudden flying saucers were spotted everywhere. The clue is in the name UFO, Unidentified Flying Objects. There's lots of objects we see in the sky. They're flying, yes, because they're, they're airborne, and they're not identified. But they're little green men in space suits and all the rest. I go back to my comment. In the 60s, we had no mobile phones, did we? And everyone came up with pictures of these UFOs and all the rest. All of a sudden, about 20 years ago, mobile phones became prevalent. Where's the pictures of UFOs since? There aren't any. Because everyone's got a camera and they know they can take pictures of everything. Where's all the photographs of the UFOs? I do believe there are aliens in the universe. There are other species maybe similar to us elsewhere in the universe, but they can no more reach us than we can reach them. And all these stories, I didn't listen to the programme on Friday, in personal protest I refuse to listen to it. Um, all these people who have seen things in the sky, if they can't be explained, there's atmospheric phenomena we see all the time. Uh, you can see from Peel some magnificent views of the mountains of Ireland that are below the horizon. They're called a Fatima Morgana. It's an optical illusion effect that's caused by a refraction of the Earth's atmosphere. They're seen as UFOs. Lots of things are seen. And nine times out of, well, 99.999 times out of 100, they are identified eventually. Occasionally we don't identify something, but I'm afraid it's a, it's a sore point. Good one to finish with, Judith. Well, not quite. We can't we can't finish on that. But I <laughs> think it was. But no, we can't, Howard. We, we can't finish on a down note. We never do that. No. But I think it was important for you to say, and and you put it very well, if I may say so. You're not dismissing them. No, no. You have said all along. You say on this program countless times that over the centuries there've been things that people couldn't explain, and then eventually we get the technology, yep. the knowledge, the 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 equipment that enables us to identify these things. So what we're saying about UFOs is. But yes, they are unidentified. One day they will be, and their their place in in the universe will be more clearly known. Exactly. But to suggest that there are people watching us 
and and going to, to land is, is is possibly. It's, I think it's preposterous. But it's people just, will always uh, want to have um, the conspiracy theorists will always come up with different. I'm sure there will be people jumping up and down now and saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. I saw a UFO, and yet it'll be a, it'll be a weather balloon, or it'll be a bit of an aircraft, or a glint of something. So we're saying that people have seen things. Oh yeah. But but the they explanations are not. The clue is in the title. I'll leave it with that. The unidentified flying object. That's tell me something are. positive to finish. I mean, you've got you've got 10 seconds. Venus. Tell me in the western sky at the moment. We didn't really mention it very much at the beginning. Venus is unmistakable. That looks like a UFO. It's not. It's the planet Venus and it's going to get better and better as we go through the summer. We might have light nights, but Venus is going to be dominating our evening sky in the west for the next few months. Howard Parkin, thank you very much indeed for joining us, helping us to look at the Manx sky at night for this month. Howard, we look forward to welcoming you back in four Indeed. weeks' time. My pleasure. Look forward to it as well. Fast Thank you, The Nation Station, Manx Ray.